This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I don't know. Um, I think we're just cursed right now. Um, I, I don't even know what to say. I think everyone knows what our record is in overtime, whether it's the playoffs and, and now, but uh, got to find a way to get out of it. Eventually will, sooner than later. I think it's gone on for too long, but uh, I can't sit here and say that, um, yeah, I mean, it, sucks we want to get out of it but it is what it is well, I mean you, you gotta have the puck um, so it can be uh, can be a lot of work out there um, if you don't have the puck and you're just kind of trying to get it away from them but um, you know that's, that's the way it goes sometimes you just gotta try to play it the best you can stick with your guy and uh, wait for your opportunity to get it and, um, we've been working on it and we're just gonna continue to do that it just comes down to like we haven't won a face off in overtime so if you're not going to win face-offs and then you're going to take penalties, it's really hard to, to do anything in overtime. And I thought we, uh, we played it okay. We, again, they had possession. We made them turn it over at one point, ended up getting a two-on-one out of it. And, you know, we were that close to, uh, to winning it uh, in the limited time we did have the puck. But, you know, turn around, lose another face-off, take a penalty, and that's it. And then you're... Now you're in a little bit of trouble and we couldn't fill it off. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. We talked about it before. Brandon Hagel, you know, it stinks. We know. We went back and we looked at the numbers last year at the end of uh, the season and Lightning's overtime record, not great. But I, I think it's, you're comparing apples to oranges in many ways. You know, there's there's a drastic difference with five-on-five playoff-like overtime compared to three on three in the regular season you know in October and we'll maybe touch on that a little bit more here on the show it is power lunch on lightning radio Greg Linelli with you Dave Mishkin is with me we're taping today because Mish is and out on the road Mm -hmm. four game road trip coming up Steve Ersnick our producer don't forget a new block party drops today Franz Jean part of that and Tell you what, we had a chance to listen to the end of that show, and oh, you got to stay tuned for that one, Dave. Talk about emergencies. Yeah, Franz had a very interesting story to relate. That's what's known as a tease, isn't it? <laughs> a tease and a messy tease, but we'll uh, we'll let it uh, we'll let you guys run with that a little bit. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. So Halloween's behind us. We begin November, which is pretty interesting. And, you know, it's it's fun to talk about. I, I don't know how much it still holds true, although I think numbers do dictate that there's still some meaning to being in a playoff spot partner come around, you know, American Thanksgiving. And, you know, we're kind of we're getting there. We're we're about what three weeks out, and mm-hmm. Lightning embark on this four game road trip, and you know the the first month is behind them, and <clears throat> not that you want to give grades and analyze the team too much, because I think the team we're seeing now is going to be different than the one we see hopefully come playoff time for obvious reasons. But I don't know. All things considered, when you factor in some of the adversity. The biggest one, playing without Andre Vasilevsky and looking at where their team is right now, integrating some newer players and tinkering with the system. I don't know. I was I was okay with what we saw in the month of October, and now a, a new challenge presents itself in the form of a, a road trip to start November. Heading into the five-game homestand, we both felt the Lightning would need to to make hay and take advantage of that, and they did. Eight out of 10 points. The road portion of the schedule picks up now over the next, let's say, six, seven weeks. And it starts with this upcoming four-game road trip. The Lightning, I think, have played better at home than they have on the road. The road portion of their schedule is a small sample size, three games, and those three games were played in a row, and there was a back-to-back in there. But they are going to have to play better on the road. Like, if they don't want to squander the good work that they did during the homestand, they're going to need to play better on the road. And we'll see if they're going to be able to accomplish that on this trip, which 
I mean, no road game is easy, but I think that the Lightning have tended not to play well in Ottawa over the last couple of years, and Toronto is always going to be a tough game. Montreal has gotten off to a surprisingly strong start. And then you have the other game, the first game in Columbus. It's not like Columbus hasn't won a game this year. My point is that the Lightning are going to have to be ready and ready to play from the get-go. Now, maybe they get Tyler Mott back on this trip. It sounded like the greater probability would be it would be after this road trip, but there's a possibility that he could return. I think that'll give him a, a boost and a shot in the arm. And we'll probably see Matt Tompkins on this road trip as well. It may not be until the last game. We'll see if the goaltending continues to, to do what the Lightning ask of it on this road trip. Tompkins is, is kind of a forgotten guy, isn't he? A little bit. Not to us, because we know he's on the team. Yeah. But, you know, he's sitting there thinking, you know, man, I've had, what, one start? Right. <laughs> and as much as you want to keep him fresh, again, I think it's a, an interesting balance that John Cooper and his staff are presented with, not one that they shy away from. But, you know, as I've told you before, you, you do know when Vassie is coming back. So there's this, there's this finite amount of time you have from now until then where I think, more importantly, above all anything else, partner, you're trying to get wins. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel that way strongly. Maybe if this was a situation where you were dealing with somebody being out for the whole year and you wanted a little bit more balance, and let's say Johansson was considered your number one guy, which he is, but you had to conserve him a little bit because he's never been in this position before, I could see Tompkins in that scenario potentially already having a couple of more starts just because I think the schedule in the season would dictate it. Meaning, yeah, Johansson's playing really well, but you also have to get your backup in because this is an 82-game march with these two guys, and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to fit him in some way. So, yeah, I don't want to sit Johansson because he's playing really well, but I've got to get Tompkins some more reps. I understand that's probably still some of the thinking right now for him, But as I told you before, because you know your number one goaltender is coming back, I'm less inclined to think about Tompkins being sharp and getting him some games than I would be if it was a different situation. Because I think points are precious, and I think you ride the hot hand until the big guy gets back. And if that means sacrificing a few more starts... For Tompkins, Dave, so be it. I, I just think that's for me, and, and you you may look at this differently, and everybody else may look at it differently. For me, that's kind of how I'm looking at the goaltender situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm on board with that. A lot of this is contingent on Johansson. Like if Johansson starts experiencing dips in his play, and the coaching staff feels like we've just ridden him too much. And, and it would be more about Johansson, giving him a chance to catch his breath. That might be one avenue to open up more starts for Tompkins. But, you know, Tompkins is not in the position that a lot of, we'll call it new backups are in. He's not a guy who's been a starter in the NHL before and all of a sudden has to make an adjustment to playing one out of every five, six games instead of playing five out of six games. We've seen that before, and and goalies sometimes have a difficult time making that adjustment. Nor is he a guy who's in a 1A, 1B situation where he's a little ticked off because he's not getting more games. Like, make no mistake, Tompkins is thrilled to be where he is right now. He's earning an NHL salary, and... He's getting a tremendous opportunity. He's also not exactly wet behind the ears. He's 29 years old. He's been through the grind of the low minors, went to Europe, played there a couple of years. This is amazing for him. And if he knows that, let's just use the Montreal game as an example, if that's the one he's going to get on this trip, you know, he's probably been told, hey, Matt, you're going to get this Montreal game. Be ready. He, I would imagine, is gearing himself up for that game. He is looking forward to that start. You know what I'm saying? It's like a different attitude for somebody like him 
then another goalie with a different background in the same situation. So whether Tompkins gets two starts before Vassy comes back, three starts, seven starts, I think he's going to relish every one of those opportunities, and I would think he is going to be ready for those opportunities. Is it possible that when he gets into his next game, there's a little bit of rust because he hasn't seen game action since that, that contest in Ottawa, which to this point has been his only start? Possibly, but... I think he's going to be geared up and ready to go. As he was for that first start. Yeah. A game in which he he played well enough for the Lightning sure. to get points out of that game. And you also hope, too, that the team understands that and, and they're yeah. playing a, a better game defensively in front of him. Sometimes that always is a little bit of an X factor. When you have a, a goaltender who doesn't have a ton of NHL experience, you want to do the best you can in front of him. And, and I, I think, think playing well defensively is kind of that's kind of the standard by which the Lightning are measuring a lot of their games this year, whether it's Johansson, Net or Tompkins. Agreed. And I I think it's it's something that I I think actually can help the Lightning sometimes. You know, when you talk about where this team wants to be, what this regular season is going to be about, I think it's fine-tuning themselves and finding different roles for different players heading into the postseason. And some of that, Dave, is, look, finding depth in the organization at the goaltender position. I know we're focusing on that right now. But again, I I kind of take a step back and say, I think this is a pretty incredible development. Now, look, mm-hmm. the Lightning did their homework, as you've pointed out, and identified Johansson as NHL-capable. And NHL capable for a team who has aspirations of winning a Stanley Cup. That's pretty high praise in and of itself. But to actually do it in the first month and to see those results, if that holds true, what may have been perceived as a position collectively as an organization uh, in terms of a little bit of a weak spot, now you've, you've potentially found a backup for a a decent amount of time, you probably found another goaltender in Tompkins who can come up and be serviceable in addition to what you have down in Syracuse. It's amazing what that trickle-down effect can have. And I'm not sure many of us saw that happening, but if you were going to tell me that the goaltender position for the Tampa Bay Lightning was going to be their most impressive position to start the year... And it wasn't Andre Vasilevsky, Dave. I think most people in Tampa Bay would have said, wow, really? And I think that's the the biggest story coming out of month one for the Lightning during the regular season. And I think this has mid to long-term effects on their organization if they're able to keep a guy like Johansson, if he continues to develop this way, where this is a really good one-two punch, and you know who this helps too? This helps Vasilevsky. Because now maybe you look at it and say, we've got a, a really capable goaltender who's not 37, so we have to really watch and and make sure we're not overusing him. But you know what? I mean, if we need to sit Vasilevsky a little bit more than usual, we can because we've got a very capable goaltender backing him up. I just think it's something that, you really have to talk about a little bit here as a big reason why the Lightning are in the position they're in, but it also, I think, kind of sets you up a little bit nicely, assuming, you know, salary doesn't get in the way, and it always does, it feels like, of really being a position of strength. Well, what we said when the Vasilevsky injury news dropped, what we said was the Lightning have to keep their head above water until Vasilevsky comes back. And say they're halfway through I want to say halfway through this time period in which Vasilevsky is going to be out maybe not quite halfway if if the lightning are on the cautious side of things so the recovery takes a little bit longer it's on the longer end of the the recovery timetable I mean to this point the lightning have certainly kept their head above water like they are right in the middle of the pack in the Atlantic division and really other than Boston no team has really grabbed this in the Atlantic. No team has has 
tumbled way to the bottom, like San Jose, for example, which still doesn't have a win. But, you know, the bottom teams have eight points in the division. And, you know, Detroit is in second place with 13. That's not a huge gap. And the teams at the bottom have games in hand on Detroit. So the Lightning are right in the mix there, which is to say, like, they have not, they've not put themselves in a position one month in where they're having to make up a ton of ground. And that is positive. So let's see if they can hold that position until Vasilevsky comes back. But your point being that when Vasilevsky comes back, they they have seen what Johansson can do playing regularly and would have confidence to put him in when when Vasilevsky is not playing. I don't know, though. Like, the injury aside, and once Vasilevsky is cleared, let's assume that there are no limitations on that. Like, he could play basically every game. <laughs> They're not going to do that. Knowing Vasi's history, I don't know if they're going to not play him. Like, if he plays six out of every eight, which is kind of typically what he plays, right, or three out of every four if we want to reduce that fraction, do you really think they're going to play him less than that? I mean, that's. I think it's more about Vasilevsky and less about Johansson, just like it was more about Vasilevsky and less about Brian Elliott or McElhenney. It was more about Vasi's your guy and he's going to play the majority of the games, kind of like what they're doing with Johansson right now. Johansson's the guy and he's playing the majority of the games. It seems like that's how the Lightning tend to work their goalie rotation. But I'm not disagreeing with your point that if they choose to give Vasi more games off, they know that Johansson can come in and do the job. And that's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. honestly. And. What was maybe hesitation on my part to kind of evaluate this team from the start because you want to let things play out. I like what I saw from some of the forwards who maybe we had questions heading into the season. I mean, Dave, next to Johansson, at the forward position, with guys who you were looking at and and maybe wanting to know what would their expectations be, what type of production would the Lightning get, and maybe more importantly, what the Lightning needed them to get out of those particular players. Would you say Tanner Janot has been a nice surprise? I mean, giving you a bit yeah. more offensively, and I know that he did it in the preseason, so maybe this is just carrying over. But based off of what we saw last year, and then what we're seeing this year, do you feel like it has been a different player? And look, Barry Boulay, we'll get to him in a second here. But I mean, in terms of what you paid to get the guy and what we're seeing now, I mean, he's just not somebody that's going to go out there and fight. I mean, it, it, he can play a little. And I think that's that's valuable when you start crafting your bottom six. Use the word surprised. Or surprise? I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would use that word. I don't know that I'm surprised that he's doing what he's doing. But to the extent that we hope that we would see that from him, we are. But the reason I wouldn't use the word surprise is we understood that there is an adjustment for a player coming in at the deadline, and we've seen it before with other guys that they need the full training camp to kind of get to the point where they can just play and not think about where they're supposed to be on the ice. And there's no hesitation to Tanner Janot's game this year. But I don't know that I'm surprised about that. There's no question, though, he's been very effective, whether he's producing points in a game or not. He is throwing his weight around. Right. Delivering hard body checks. He's got pace to his game. Again, I think because there's no hesitation to his game. And he's getting to the areas where he can get rewarded. I mean, look where he's scored his goals this year, from right in front of the net. That's what you want to see. He almost scored that game-winning goal the other night against Seattle with 30 seconds left in regulation. It hit the post, but where was he? Right in front of the net. That's where he's going to do his damage. And he knows it. He's going there. 
That's true. And, you know, I think some of it for me is just the production he put up his rookie year compared to what we saw last year. Mm -hmm. And there was a dip. And I think then when you evaluate what you gave up to get him. Yes. I wanted to see. I wanted to see the connections. (laughs) I wanted to see a little bit more maybe from his first year, his his rookie year in Nashville. And I don't know if he's going to be a 20, 25 goal scorer. What I'm seeing right now, I'll take that. Mm hmm. I, I would too. take that yeah. every single time, Dave. And I think that has been a very positive development. The other one, I mean, it, it's it goes without saying. I mean, Dave, think about this, though. The The players I'm mentioning to you, let's maybe take Janot out of the equation a little bit because there was a bit more of a track record at the NHL level producing and staying in the lineup. Johansson and Barry Boulay, there was not. And again, I'm not one to judge after a week. Or a month, you know that you need to see a little bit more because we've seen a lot of guys play 150 games, Dave, at the NHL, look pretty good, and then all of a sudden they can't find themselves. Confidence becomes an issue, and then they're out of the league. But two guys who could potentially really give this organization a boost, especially after some of the players that have parted ways, Johansson and Net and Barry Boulay. Now again, small sample size with Barry Boulay. But if this is an indication of what he can do, did anybody, let me, and I think everybody has to just be honest here. I, I'm, I am, and I'm saying no, envision Johansson and Barry Boulay contributing the way they have. And I go, I know it's a small sample size, but to me, these are two or three of the bigger storylines that are coming out of the first month for Tampa Bay and we're not even talking about, you know, like Braden Point and Kucherov and Stamkos. And I think it's a positive development because you know what those guys can do. You don't know what some of these other guys can do. And if you get a boost, there's no, there's no ceiling at this point because they're still relatively unknown. That has been maybe, next to Johansson, the, the biggest surprise for me. Uh, during the first month, and it's really happened the last couple of weeks, has been the emergence of Barry Boulay maybe finding a role with this team at this level. I agree, and I, I think this is a surprise. I wouldn't use that word with Janot. I would use it with Barry Boulay because I think that heading into camp in the preseason, the feeling was that if Barry Boulay made the team, it would be in a bottom six forward role. And he did not make the team, the NHL team, coming out of the preseason. Then Mott gets hurt. He gets a chance to be recalled. And soon after, he is given a chance to play with Point and Kucherov. I don't know if this is one of these situations where he's looked really good for four or five games, and now he's going to have a dip. I mean, he, like the goalies, we were talking about the goalies, 28 and 29, Johansson and Tompkins. Like, Barry Boulay's not 21, 22. He's been a pro player for a while. He's been a top scorer in the American Hockey League every year that he's been in that league. I think... And I, I, I hope I'm not being pie in the sky here, but I'm giving you my honest opinion, Greg. I think that the light switch has been flipped for him. I think that confidence is a big part of it, and confidence can be fleeting. But now that he has done it, and by done it, I mean kind of be the player at the NHL level that he has been at the AHL level, which is to say, dynamic he has looked dynamic these last four or five games I don't know that that's going to go away will he have a stretch where maybe he struggles to get points sure every player does but I think the Lightning may have found unexpectedly a guy they can slot into their top six even if they shuffle the lines which they often do and they did the other night but once he got moved away from Point and Kucherov, it's not like he lost his effectiveness. And as we mentioned on the show yesterday, he was out on the ice for the tying goal that Hagel scored with Sorelli. I don't know if that's going to be a line for tomorrow, 
at the start of the road trip in Columbus. But that would be a tremendous boost. Because what have we been talking about relating to the free agents the Lightning have lost over the last couple of years at the forward position? Andre Palat, Alex Kalorn, go back prior to that, Tyler Johnson. Like, they have taken guys off their top six. And they've had to find guys to replace those players. Brandon Hagel was a huge find. I mean, they paid a hefty price to get him. But he is a top six forward. So they got him, right? <laughs> to <Heck> offset yeah. <clears throat> offset some of those losses. But if you can slot in Barry Boulay. Heck yeah. I mean, that would be that would be amazing for the Well, think about it. You mentioned Hagel, and he he is just looking more and more every game like a, a an impact player. Yeah. I mean, he's getting chances shorthanded, Dave. He's getting chances playing with skilled players. He's getting chances every game, and that's a sign of a really, really dynamic player. But, I mean, now, now you factor in, okay, Nick Paul. You know, does Nick Paul look pretty good to start the year? I would say so. Tanner mm-hmm. Janot, does he look better? now than he did last year yeah Barry Boulay for sure and we're just talking about the forward position you still want to see more from Connor Sherry I get it no doubt about it Glenn Denning for me has been fine I'm not sure what many people were expecting you know if he contributes a little bit offensively that's fine his face-off percentage has been very good and he's been a part of the penalty kill that up until the Seattle game had only allowed one goal and they don't have Tyler Mott I mean he was there for opening night but during the stretch when they went Whatever it was, what do they play? Nine games. So they had seven games in a row without allowing a power play goal. Mott was not available. Mott was hurt during all of those games. So from that standpoint, Glenn Denning has done what has been asked of him. There have been a couple of face-offs I think Glenn Denning would like to have back and to win. Like the one at the start of overtime, for example, against Seattle. Or during the four-on-three penalty kill, he won the first draw so cleanly that it almost handcuffed Chernak, and they couldn't get it down the ice. Johansson made a save. There was another face-off, and Glendening lost that one. And then McCann scored because Seattle worked it around. He's not going to win every face-off. I mean, the top guys win six out of ten. His percentage has been has been good this year. So, I mean, he's not. He's not going to win 100% of them, but there have been a couple of key ones. I think if you asked him, he'd be like, yeah, I really I really like a do-over on that and try and try and figure out a way to win it. But I agree with you. Like, he has done what has been asked of him. And as far as the other guys are concerned, whether it's Hagel, whether it's Barry Boulay, whether it's Paul, Janot, I mean, guys who have looked good this year, I think some of that is contingent to how the Lightning are playing as a team because when the Lightning have – had their share of possession. They don't need to dominate possession. When they've had their share of possession, I think we've noticed those guys. In games or stretches in games when they have struggled defensively and they have not had the puck, I mean, those guys, it's hard to make an impact when you don't have the puck. And, you know, they've all been out there for segments in games when the other team has kind of taken it to the lightning. So... I guess I would I would assess their play in the context of the Lightning's overall play. But I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. When the Lightning have kind of had things going for them, those guys have made an impact. But it's not like the Lightning have had it going in all nine of their games. No, no. And I, I don't know if, if I expect that. I, I'm just... I think everything that we just talk, talked about. Who has caught your season, eye is kind of what you're saying. Like, yeah. Who have you noticed? I mean. Who's grabbing this game? Me. And, and those guys like, that you mentioned, the four forwards, have all yeah. done it. Yeah. I mean, Dave, how many times have you said on, on the broadcast, whether it's the game broadcast or our show, it's just Barboulet is confident. He's holding on to the puck longer. That's a mm-hmm. sign, especially when you're an offensive player. That's what you do. Tanner Janot is just doing more things offensively. I, I don't think it... it there needed to be a lot there compared to what we saw last season for that to open up my eyes, but it's noticeable. Hagel feels like he's getting better 
And he's a young player. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Then you can start throwing in some guys, some of the veterans. I mean, I, I think Sorelli looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And some of this could be line combinations, too, figuring out who's playing with who. You know, the back end has been more of a talking point in terms of, you know, guys needing to be a bit better. And I, I acknowledge that. I, I think there's still a filling out process. You mentioned maybe Chernak and what, Hedman looks to be okay and... But that could change. I, I understand that. I, I think you're you're still trying to find a comfort with uh, the defense pairings, and that may take a bit longer. The other thing is we don't know about Mott. I mean, we don't know what type of impact he's going to make when he comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, we think he's going to be a, a puck hound from the perspective of, you know, he's going to have a very simple job description. You know, go go chase the puck, be hard to play against, and he's going to bring a lot of speed. The other thing with him is he's got some playoff experience where you're going to really like what he can do from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how our, our audience feels, Dave, about the Lightning that first month. I know you have to, I think you have to kind of separate your overall expectations of the Lightning, and that's going to be Look, we expect to be in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. Understood. But I think you also have to take a look at the team and and what you have coming back and saying, well, that's the goal. How you get there and who you get there with is going to be different than the previous years. And I think for me, this first month was about evaluating, seeing what you had, and it still will be this month for sure. But if you were to tell me that the Lightning would have points in how many straight games? Six? Yeah, they pointed in seven of nine. They're in a playoff spot right now with all of the things I threw your way. Of course, they need to be better on the road. We know that. But you know what? They got 11 points through nine games. Mm -hmm. Are you going to quibble too much about that? No. That's why why we were saying that they've definitely... You want to frame it as kept their head above water, they're in the mix. All of that is really positive. You get the feeling that the Atlantic is going to stay kind of bunched up. Yeah. I mean, will Boston come back to earth? Can we really believe that the Bruins are going <laughs> to rival another season in which know. they're going to like get to 60 <laughs> wins? I mean, <sighs> look, tip your cap to Jim Montgomery because I think a lot of people felt, hey, Bergeron's retired, Krejci's gone. Taylor Hall is no longer on the team. I mean, they lost some some significant pieces off their team last year. And you take out the last three games of their playoff series against the Panthers, which you can't. They lost those three games and two in overtime. And they lost the series. But they've just been a machine since Jim Montgomery took over as head coach. They have They have given themselves a little bit of breathing room. But the rest of the division is very tight, which is what I think a lot of people expected. The The Bruins' start maybe was unexpected, and Montreal's pleasant start, I think, has surprised some people. And look, They're kind of like about, the Lightning. They're getting points, you know? And, and you've brought this up. We've discussed it. Heck, the Lightning saw it a little bit early in the season. The division's going to be tougher, we think. Yeah. Yeah. That was the expectation. Yeah. I mean, some teams who typically have not been in a playoff spot have gotten better because that's kind of how the NHL works Yeah, with the salary cap. Now, to your point, does anybody anticipate Boston being this good for an 82-game season? I mean, they could, I guess. I mean... We're going to find out. I don't know. They're going to have to keep showing it. I don't know. Yeah. I I kind of felt like at the start of the year... No opponent is easy. Look, Anaheim has gotten off to a good start, and the Bruins beat Anaheim. But And they beat L.A. and L.A. I mean, those are quality wins. But they definitely had some, like they played Chicago twice. Chicago, I think a lot of people feel, are going to miss the playoffs. The Hawks are going to miss the playoffs this year. You know, they did have them on their schedule twice. Like they've had some teams that you figure if if they are going to be a top team, they should win those games. But nothing is guaranteed. It really isn't. So tip your cap to them. They've had a great start. I'm looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets roster, speaking of teams that are trying to get better this year. So the Blue Jackets had the number three pick last year. Am I remembering that right? Yes. 
I'm going to say Because I know who they took, so I looked up where he was drafted. (laughs) Adam Fantilli, who went third overall to Columbus. He's one of these. Is is it conceivable that Michigan somehow, like it is conceivable because they didn't. It seems inconceivable that Michigan did not win a championship during this time that they had all of these, forget NHLers, like top, top NHL picks playing on their team. But Fantilli was was one of the guys that that played for Michigan. Last year he was a freshman. He led all NCAA players with sixty five points. He had sixty five points in thirty six games, and he won the Hobie Baker Award. They got a really good player. But as we said about Connor Bedard, like he is very young. He just turned nineteen earlier this month, or I guess last month. Now we could say in October. So they have him. They have a couple of other guys that have names that I do not recognize, meaning they're new to the NHL. A defenseman, David Yerichek, is I think how you say it. He's He is Czech. He was a first-round pick. Let's see when he was drafted. He went sixth overall in 2022. So like, kind of what you say, Greg, and what I say too, if you're going to be really bad, you have to suffer through one bad season, two bad seasons, three bad seasons. You need to cash in on the top picks that are going to come with that bad record. So the last two years, the Jackets picked a guy sixth overall and third overall. They're both teenagers still. Yerichek turns 20 later this month, November 28th. They're both still teenagers. They're both playing for their team in the NHL. And then a guy who just scored his first NHL goal, Dmitry Voronkov, I think how you say it. And again, I haven't had a chance to talk to anyone on Columbus yet to find out pronunciation, so the last two I'm kind of guessing on. This guy's 6'5", 240. He's a forward. 6'5", 240. That's usually what you see for a defenseman. And he just turned 23. So they have some guys that are on the young end of things in the NHL playing for their team. So they are trying to take steps. Did you see uh, Line A is out? He got hurt on yeah. a check from Rasmus Anderson. Anderson ended up getting mm. suspended. This was a few games ago. He has not played since. So look, Lightning swept the Jackets last year. If memory serves, none of the games were really overly competitive. Wrensky right. has had terrible injury problems for Columbus, and I think he missed the second and third games. The first game was the second game of the year for both teams, so Wrensky was in. He is back now this year, although I think he actually got hurt earlier this year. If he can stay healthy, yeah, he's only played seven games, so he he did miss a game or two for Columbus. But they added Provorov, the former flyer. They Added Damon Severson, pretty good player. Remember, he was a defenseman for New Jersey. Yeah, he's always been served. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a pretty good player. Another former Michigan guy, Kent Johnson, who's been on their team for a couple of years now. He's there, and then they have Boone Jenner, who's their captain. But I think that the same thing about Columbus is true that we said about some of these other teams that have missed the playoffs. You need big-time players. And they've had an opportunity to draft high the last couple of years. So maybe they're finding some of these big-time players. They have a few. Like, Wierenski is a big-time player, in my mind. He is. Line A has the potential to be a big-time player. Johnny Gaudreau is a big-time player. I didn't even mention him. And maybe this second year in Columbus, he will, he will look more like the guy who excelled all those years in Calgary. We'll see. I think my point is, though, that this is no layup game. I mean, whatever happened last year between the teams where the Lightning had a fairly easy, if I can use that word, run of it in the three games, understanding it's the NHL and they had to come ready to play, and they did, they should be ready for stiff competition. The Jackets are not in last place in their division. That honor goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Columbus has pointed in five of nine games this year. They're three, four, and two which I would say is respectable, right? I mean, they aren't out of it either in their division. 
at Bolts Radio. I always love those questions that kind of trickle in. Plus, you know, our audience knows that, you know, we were taping today, so they wanted to get us some some input and some questions, uh, and I wanted to respond, partner, because that's kind of what we do on this show as I scroll. What does Jay here have? This is a, a, a decent tweet, but it's a little bit different. Most underappreciated lightning player of all time? I would say Kevin Shattenkirk. Game four overtime goal in the 2020 final. Stabilized the right side that season. Played well. But also say Corey Stillman. Great for most of the 04 Cup season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are two good picks. Underappreciated by whom? By... I don't know. The NHL population <laughs> writ we- large or within like Lightning Nation, Bolts Nation? You know, probably both. Yeah. Corey Stillman was a big part of that 0304 yeah team cuz he played in a top 6 role. That's a big deal when you can mm-hmm. get that type of production from somebody that you bring in for sure. Al says I was impressed with the Kings last night. Lightning need to follow their example was how to play a 60 minute game. Oh there you go <laughs> out with 60 minute game. I think he's just I think it. he's just giving you a little Does he know? there. Does I he think know that I know that that's bogus? <laughs> he's tweaking you. He's not tweeting at you. He's tweaking you. I think I didn't watch the game, but I did see some of the grumbling from the general media that covers the Leafs. And the sense was that the Leafs had the old dreaded first home game back after a long and fairly successful road trip. They did have a successful road trip. After losing to the Panthers, they won every other game on the trip. So it might have been that the Kings were playing well. I think also the Leafs didn't bring their A game, which happens. It does. It does happen. And I think that makes some sense there at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in that conversation. I I think the Kings have a good team, by the way. And Al, you watch the game, but I, I do like the Kings. I thought that they might give Edmonton a little bit of a tougher series last year than they did. They certainly gave them a tough series the year before where it went to seven games and the Oilers had to win game six and seven to advance. I'm curious about the Dubois addition because I felt like, and we talked about this on an earlier show, the Kings gave up some pretty good players to get Dubois. And Dubois is now on his, what, third NHL team in what was his draft year? I think it might have been the same year. Was it the same year that, that Line A went second? I think it was. Ironic that they were traded for one another, right? So he has not been in that the league correct. very long. He's already on his third NHL team and was kind of disgruntled reportedly with each of the two previous locations. So how will he fit in with the Kings, who seem to be trending in the right direction? We'll see. Yeah, and I think these this is just part of the process with some of the younger teams, up-and-coming teams, where you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay, are they going to be able to get off to a good start? The key for them will be, can you withstand it? And I'm not necessarily talking too much about L.A., but you could probably put them in that category. I mean, there are some teams, and I think we've seen that in the Atlantic partners, that... Now, what's it going to look like with Detroit? What's it going to mm-hmm. look like with Montreal? And getting off to a good start is not insignificant it's to not. them. It's a really big deal because it gives them confidence. It's nice to see your name at the top of the standings. They know that it's a long season, but you'd rather be in second or third place to start the year than in dead last, which is where the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins are. And I think that's, that's something that's going to allow them to have some confidence moving forward. Because if if you think Tampa Bay and Toronto are making the playoffs again this year, and Boston somehow finds a way to sneak in, you got to fight for a couple of other spots. Now, that's where the dogfight's going to come in. Mm-hmm. Because I think most people will acknowledge the Lightning and, and Leafs are going to be there at some point doesn't matter what position. They're going to be one of the top eight teams. I understand I'm 
looking way down the line, but I, I mean, you I, are. But am <laughs> you I saying are looking it, way down? Let me the ask line. you this though: Am I saying anything that makes anybody? Well, I think I no. think that you're basing it on the the general perception about where those teams are. But right. as we talked about, I think there are some people who cover the NHL. Or well, like, eh, the Lightning might be in a little bit more of a precarious yeah. spot. Nobody is saying that about Toronto, which is point. weird. Which is weird. Well, look in the Pacific Division. Come on. Which is the division the Kings are in. Yeah. At the start of the year, I probably would have looked at the eight teams in the Pacific Division and said, all right, yeah, Vegas and Edmonton. And I think that even with Edmonton's struggles at the start of the year, most people would expect kind of what you were saying with the Leafs and Lightning. Most people would expect the Oilers are going to get there. And then you have the Kings. And then who are your other five teams? San Jose. Anaheim, yeah. Vancouver, yeah. Calgary, and Seattle. I mean, you've pointed this out, I think, in the West in general. is just, you know, there are some teams you might just be able to take out of the equation. Now, right. I, know, I, I know, like, Anaheim is playing better. That's my point. So, right. like, if you're the Kings and you're like, all right, we've got Vegas and Edmonton, and Seattle had a great year last year, and let's, let's give them their due. But we should be in the mix of four, and four should be good enough to get in. Based on what you have in the other division, you have some weak sisters in the other division, right? You have the Arizonas, you have the Chicagos. Again, this is the perception at the start of the year. How much have Vancouver and Anaheim kind of upset things, though? You might say Anaheim is just riding a hot wave and, and they're still, they still have a ways to go. Maybe you're right about that. We've, I don't want to speak for you. I feel a little differently about Vancouver because it's not like Vancouver has all of a sudden a bunch of new guys that are in their first or second years. They have some established high-end players. They just couldn't keep the puck out of their net. But they've gotten off to a good start. Like, it is a month in, and they are, they've done well. That game against the Lightning might have been one of their worst games so far this year. And whether you're the Kings or the Oilers or any of these teams, Seattle... They're like, all right, we kind of see our path here <laughs> based on where the teams that finished behind us last year are this year. Things might get a little bit more interesting, especially if those two teams can kind of keep it up. Calgary is is a train wreck at the start of the year, which has got to be really frustrating for everyone involved there because they were a division winner two years ago. But look how different they are. Johnny Gaudreau and, and Matthew Kachuk are no longer on their team. They had maybe maybe yeah. the best line in hockey two years ago. And now two-thirds of that line is gone. And they have lost a lot more than they have won ever since. But the other teams, I don't know. If you're the Kings, my point is if you're the Kings, you need to be pressing on the gas if you're looking around at the rest of the division and saying, we may have some competition here that we didn't have as much last year or frankly the year before. Yeah. Good question or good comment, Al. Al says you got to be ready. And I, I can't blame him. But uh, honestly, I think that's... Don't you have to say that in some ways when you deal in a salary cap world where you, you kind of go in knowing that every game's going to be tough like, it shouldn't shock you. I mean, I, I know we sit there and say, look, um, you know, the Lightning should beat this team. They should beat that team. I don't, are we ever really surprised if the Lightning lose to a team in the NHL? No. Maybe here and there, like, there's, you know, something that's, maybe it's Arizona, you know, and it's, it's mm -hmm. one they of those They lost games. to Arizona in a shootout that's what I mean, last like, year, but they badly outplayed them. So, I, I mean, just it think happens in, sometimes. I agree. And I just think in today's NHL, though, I, I'm not... Because of the parody, I am not, I don't take some of those losses where the Lightning are the perceived favorite as hard as some of the fans do. That's why you play 82. This That's isn't true. the NFL where you have 17 games now. Yeah. Notice I was on top of that, that it's no longer 16. You were on top. Of 17. That. You know, when you have an odd number of games, you're playing a different number of home and road games. And if you believe that home field is an advantage in football, and I don't know enough about football to be able to say with any sort of certainty that it is, 
you know, there is a disparity there. What if you were a team that only gets eight home games and you miss the playoffs to a team that had nine home games? Well, Dave, the way the way the NFL does it is your conference. So like the NFC this year, I think, has eight home games. So everybody in the NFC has eight home games, nine. Okay. And the AFC. So it's apples to apples. So every other year, your conference has nine home games or eight home games. Thank you, Steve. So they've actually accounted for that. All right. Well, I just thought of that as we were talking on not live radio, but almost live radio. So thank you for answering that, Steve. But this is not the NFL in that you have 82 games. So one loss is not going to sink you. Two losses are not going to sink you. But you got to make sure you avoid the long skids, which we have talked about. And one of the keys to making the playoffs, one of the keys to navigating the rigors of a regular season with back-to-backs against a rested opponent, the second game against a rested opponent, the travel, et cetera, time zones, all of that, four games a week in four different cities, which the Lightning are going to have this upcoming week. One of the keys is avoid regulation losses. Get as many points as you possibly can out of as many games as you possibly can. Avoid those games where you're coming out with zero. And you are setting yourself up for success. You may feel that that is BS. that That's the way the system is set up. That these bonus points for losing in overtime or the, the shootout are out there. But that is the way the system is set up. And a win is worth two, whether it's in regulation, overtime, or the shootout. So the worst outcome, obviously, is a regulation loss. A loss in overtime of the shootout is worth half a win, which is why the Lightning got eight out of ten points on a homestand in which they lost two games, but those two games were in overtime. That's the system. So if that's the system, one big key, it's not the only key, but one big key is avoid regulation losses. And to this point, the Lightning have been able to do that through nine games. Love it. They've done uh, a nice job keeping that head above water, and they will continue, hopefully, on this four-game road trip. We'll have all of the coverage for you again tomorrow, and we'll bring mm-hmm. down the Lightning and Blue Jackets. I'll be at the more. rink. Yeah, maybe we'll Nation get a Columbus arena. guest. What do you think? What, are we going to call somebody from Columbus? Yeah, we could try. Why not? You know, what the hell. And uh, we'll get those questions at Bolts Radio coming in. Partner, great job. Safe travels. Thank you, sir. I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to Austin Wright. I'm Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lighting Radio.